Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. We are talking about the ultimate revelation of God. Listen, we talked about this last week, and if you haven't listened last week, you might want to go and listen to it. I want you to understand that any situation you're facing, any hardship you're facing, any problem that you're trying to, to solve, and any struggle that you're having in your life, the one cure for that is revelation, to see God and His provision for the solutions in your heart right now. You know, and we talked about this last week, how every problem that we have really gets down to a problem with perception. You know, God needs for us to see Him as He is, not the way religion has showed Him, not the way uh, uh, our denomination has shown has shown Him, not the way our goofy ideas and fears have shown. We, we've got to look at God. And remember, we talked about this last week. Part of God's name means that God is self-revealing, and it even implies that He is self-revealing and He reveals Himself by His name. And we'll be talking about the names of God and, and understanding how, how that is part of getting to the ultimate revelation of God. But because God is self-revealing, uh, we have to look at the ways that He said He was revealing Himself. And I want to tell you something. There's certain things about how God revealed Himself that if we don't approach it from His perspective, we will be confused about every single thing we do. But, but man, here's the great thing. A revelation of God. And remember, I said a revelation of God, not a revelation of what God will do, even though that becomes a part of it. Not a revelation of... Uh, of, of just what's yours in Jesus, even though that's a part of it, but a revelation of God Himself. Knowing what God will do means nothing if you don't understand why He's going to do it and how that happens. And, and so many times we get hold of something that God has promised us, but then the process whereby we try to make that happen in our lives gets convoluted. It ends up in religion. It ends up in dead works. It ends up in all kinds of goofy things that, that really that's, that's not where we're wanting to go. And listen, that's even why I created this, this program called the ultimate revelation of God. Because you know what? We live in a day when people really don't see God just the way he is. I want to tell you just a little bit about this series. When we see God as he is, suddenly everything that he does becomes self-apparent. When we see God as He is, being able to trust Him for the things that He said He would do becomes very, very easy. Part of our problem is we've had an image of God taught to us by religion that is in violation 
of His promises. In other words, He promises that He'll do this, but then the way we've been taught to see Him, to be afraid of Him, to think that we've got to move, we've got to move Him with our faith. We've got to convince Him to do whatever it is that He said He was going to do. We've got all of these religious ideas about God that contradict the promise. And if you contradict the promise uh, of God by what you believe about His identity, your faith is, is going to be, uh, it's either not going to work or it's just going to work from time to time, but it's never going to be abiding, stable, steady, and predictable. I don't know about you, but I want stable, steady, predictable faith. So I have created a series called The Ultimate Revelation of God. It is nearly 10 hours of incredible teaching about how God has chosen to reveal Himself to us. And it's not that complicated. It's just a matter of being willing to look at things the way God presented them in these areas where he chose how to show himself to us. And I'm going to do something special for you because I think this is so important for everybody. This is a, this is a $70 series that I'm going to make available to you for $59. And remember, every time you purchase something from us, number one, you are investing in yourself. You are following the commission of Jesus to become a disciple. Number two, 85 cents out of every dollar that you give goes into reaching the world for Jesus. So be sure and click right now if you're watching on YouTube or go to our website if you're watching through some other means and Get this series, The Ultimate Revelation of God. I'm telling you, it's going to be a life changer. Now listen, one of the ways that God revealed Himself to us, and, and, and remember, when God reveals Himself to us, it, it, it shows us who He is, but it opens up con- kind of conceptually how to relate to Him, how to understand Him. And you know, this is what Jesus did in the parables. Uh, through the parables, Jesus took his God's Word, which we'd only before known, line upon line, precept upon precept. You know, it's interesting. Where I went to Bible college, they used to quote that scripture all the time. Line upon line, precept upon precept. But the thing that they didn't quote was the part of the verse that said, that's why you fall back and stumble. That's why, you, that's why you can't, that's why you can't get this is because you're trying to get it line upon line, precept upon precept. You see, if, if we don't understand who God is, we will wrongly interpret what God says. Therefore, we can't really trust what God does. So in the parables, Jesus gave us concepts to help us understand, help us see God the way God originally intended for us to see Him. Help us understand His Word the way He intended for His Word to be understood and the way He intended for His Word to be applied. So I'm telling you, this just opens all kinds of things up. And you know, one of the common ways that even all through the Old Testament with the nation of Israel, and all through the New Testament and how God relates to us, one of the concepts is that we are the bride. We are His bride. And so from this, we're understanding that God wants us to relate to Him like a bride would relate to her husband. One of the most important things I want you to understand is this. God wants you to see Him the way He revealed Himself to you. Now, one of the things you understand, if God's, one of God's names, and and the first name that He revealed Himself by is that He, is is that He reveals Himself, then you have to understand that, that from that we realize we cannot look to anyone else to uh, give us a revelation of God. We have got to see God for ourselves in the ways that God made it possible 
for us to see Him and to understand Him. And so one of the ways throughout all of the Bible, throughout all of the Old Testament, throughout all the New Testament, listen, God didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. His plan didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The covenant changed because finally the Savior could come, the Redeemer, the Messiah could come. But God's plan is still the same. That's why the Old Testament is still just as valid in understanding God. Unfortunately, people have twisted the Old Testament and made it very legalistic and, and made it something that God never intended. But you know something? That's why we got Jesus, is so we can understand how God really wants us to see Him. But one of the ways in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that God has wanted us to recognize or understand our relationship is that of us being the bride and we are entering into this, into this marriage relationship with Him. And in the New Testament, it calls us the bride of Christ. And, uh, you know, and when Jesus made statements, like in John, in John 14, uh, uh, 2, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the, uh, the way. Now, in a parable like that, he's talking about something they clearly understand, but culturally, we don't understand it because you see the bridegroom would do that. He would come. There would be there would uh, there would be a, a, a betrothal, and uh, and they would become engaged. Which become engaged was really to be legally married, but without sex. And he would go away back to his father's house, and under the supervision of his father, he would prepare a dwelling, uh, a paradise, if you will, for his bride. And only when the father said, this is, this is the way it needs to be. Now you can go, now you can go get your bride. That was when the bridegroom would come back to the city and, and outside the city, uh, he, his, his groomsmen would come with him. They would blow the horn, just like the second coming. Jesus going to blow the horn and the bride then would make her final decision. This was it. This was the final moment to decide if she was going to go with the, with the groom or not. And, and so that's what Jesus was talking about there when he talked about going and prepare a place. Of course, we've got parables like uh, Matthew 25, 1, where it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. The, these parables make it completely clear that God relates to us as the bride of Christ. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Getting born again is entering into what uh, God would have considered to be the betrothal stage. Now, in this betrothal stage, uh, and, and this, this period of time could last uh, uh, about a year, in this betrothal stage, it's very rare that these, that these young couples were actually in love with each other. Now, I want you to realize something. When we come to God, we're not in love with Him. And, and you know, some of you have heard me tell stories about uh, winning people to Jesus. And, and uh, uh, one of the ways I was able to win them to Jesus is because they thought since they didn't love God, they couldn't get saved. And I would explain to them, look, you don't even know God. You've got to get to know Him before you can decide if you're going to love Him or not. But the question is, will you accept what He's offering to you at this point? And so in, in this marriage arrangement, there was a betrothal. Now, in the betrothal, we call that an engagement. But the betrothal period... Uh, in the eyes of God, it is marriage without sexual intimacy. Because what was to happen was between the time that they were betrothed and the, con you know, the contract was made, uh, the groom knew what he was getting from the, from the uh, bride's family, the, 
the, uh, the groom had already established his generosity and his kindness to the bride. So from that moment in time, from the moment that the betrothal was made, all they really did was get to know each other, spend time together, exchange gifts with one another, and really they used that time to fall in love with each other. Now listen, God, you know, God's good at what he does. And, and if we just, you know, if we just wouldn't get religion drug into it, man, it'd be so easy to understand God. But we do. We drag religion into it. You know, it's amazing that the children of Israel got into such legalism because when, when you understand what the word of God actually said in the original language, you just think every bit of it was relational. Everything that God taught them, I mean, everything from the commandments on down, every bit of it was, was relational. And, and none of it was, none of it was, was legalistic. None of it was, you, you've got to do this to please me. You know something? When Brenda and I got married, one of the things that we did is we discussed the things that were important to us. You know, she told me the things that would make her feel safe, make her feel loved. I told her the things that make me feel loved and safe. And basically, we both agreed, okay, I, I accept these terms. You know, when I do premarital counseling, one of the things I always tell couples is, look, a matter of fact, I tell them this even when they're fighting years later in, in counseling, is you don't have the right to expect anything from your spouse that they did not commit to. Just because you assumed it or just because you all talked about it doesn't mean that they committed to it. And so Britta and I committed to these things, and we've had relatively few surprises in our relationship. And I'll tell you, it's the surprises that blow you up. Well, you see, everything that everything that God told man about uh, 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 about his word, everything everything that he taught him was all of these things that was for his good. It was the way a father would take care of a child. It was the way a groom would make sure that their, that their bride was safe and provided for. Everything that God has ever, ever done has been for our benefit. Because you see, the more we're taken care of, the more we're at peace, the less we're struggling, the less we're straining, the less, the less we're trying to make ends meet, the less chaos we have in our lives, the more we are able to fully give ourselves to our spouse. And this is, this is what you got to understand. The, uh, the ultimate purpose in God's involvement with us is a relationship. We, God didn't recruit us to be soldiers. You know, he's got angels. If he, you know, if he, if he needs a spiritual battle fought, he's got angels that'll fight that spiritual battle. Yeah, yeah, we have a warfare that we fight. Don't, I understand that, but it's, it's not like we have, it's not like we have convinced ourselves that it, that it is. You know, God didn't need soldiers. He didn't need an army. He didn't need servants. What God wanted was, was a family. And this is why God uses the metaphors of the father and the, and the child or the metaphor of the, of the husband and, and the wife to teach us about how we're supposed to be connecting to him and what this is all about. Because you got to understand something. If you come to God and it's just like in a, in a marriage, if you think this is what I need to do to make my spouse happy and for this relationship to work, but you're just guessing at it, then you're going to do all the wrong things and it's never going to be what you hope it to be. So when we, when we come to Jesus, when we get born again, we are entering into, uh, the betrothal stage. And in this betrothal stage, all, 
all that we're supposed to put all of our emphasis on, everything that's supposed to happen in the betrothal stage is about falling more deeply in love with God. Now, I want you to understand something. The final aspect of redemption. See, the Bible teaches that we have been saved, we are being saved, and we're, we're going to be saved. And, uh, you know, the legalists can't get their head around that, and the literalists can't get their head around that. But that, that's a concept that that is understood in this betrothal thing, because in the betrothal thing, they were married. It was legally binding. They just did not have sex. But in the betrothal stage, they were becoming one. And that's what the Bible, that's what the Bible talks about. You know, a husband's wife, you don't know, become one. And so we were in the process of becoming one with each other. And so that is the being saved because that's transforming us. That's working our life. But then there's the ultimate thing where we meet with him and we enter into, uh, uh, the marriage feast and ultimately the consummation of who we really are in him. So between now and the time that the groom returns, uh, for us, all we're supposed to be doing is developing a deep love relationship with God. You can't see God as he is if you are pursuing God for another purpose. So, you know, during the betrothal time, and this is so very interesting, you'll notice uh, in the Bible when it talks about uh, our relationship with the Lord, our intimacy with God, it uses the term knowing God, which is the same terminology that it uses when it speaks of a husband and wife knowing each other sexually. Now, today, people get to know each other sexually, and, and they really don't know each other emotionally. They don't really understand each other. They don't understand each other's values, and sometimes people go ahead and get married, and they get married on the basis of, okay, we, we, we had great sex. And so, and so after they get married and start getting to know each other, that's when the marriage falls apart. I can't tell you how many times in counseling I've had somebody sit there in my office, and usually about the five-year mark, they're going, to, they're going to come in, they're going to say, you know, I woke up one day and I just realized I don't know my husband or I don't know my wife. And the reason they don't is because, is because they got sexually attached, but they never really got emotionally attached. They never really went through that healthy process uh, of falling in love and of becoming one. Now, one of the reasons they use that, that term, knowing one another, um, is because during that time of the betrothal, this is where little by little, they're opening their heart to each other. This is where uh, uh, all preconceived ideas about who you are, I, I start letting them go because I let you show me who you really are. Now, see, that's the thing. We don't let God show us who He really is because He's given us ways that we can understand who He is. He's given us ways we can understand His nature. He's, he's revealed Himself to us through some very specific ways that He wants us to, to take that communication and come to believe who He is. But that's not the way we figure out who He is. Almost all of us figure out who God is subjectively, just how we feel, or through our denomination, or through our parents. And, you know, they may be, our parents and our denomination may be right, may be wrong. That's not the point. The point is, in a loving relationship, you have to find this out for yourself. And so, so during this time of the betrothal, man, we are in a relationship that is all about coming to know, 
coming to trust, and ultimately falling in love with one another. And see, so what happens, if you strip your heart bare, if you open up your heart, you hold nothing back. There's not one room, there's not one chamber in, in your heart or in your life that you've closed off to God. Then, then you all are, you're coming to know each other. That's what, that's what would happen between the bride and the groom. So that when they actually took the last step of, of, you know, they've been emotionally naked, but now they're physically naked. Now they're joining themselves together physically. It wasn't just a sexual act because everything that was happening in this consummation was based on knowing each other. And that's what is supposed to happen between us and the time that we're going to meet Jesus at the marriage feast. That we're going to get to know him. And so, so that our intimacy with one another is all about truly, honestly knowing and experiencing one another. You know, look, uh, by the way, I, I, just, I just want to mention this before, before we get too far in this, because I've got some, some events coming up that I want you to know about, because if I, if I, if I don't tell you now, I'll forget we get to the end of the program. So just want to mention this to you. I want you to join me, and you don't have much time for this because, you know, you know I have live events all across the country, and uh, I've got some meetings coming up. I just want to make sure that you know about them uh, so that you can participate in some incredible uh, meetings, meet some incredible pastors, fellowship with some great churches, and uh, really just have a great time uh, worshiping God together, fellowshiping together. Now, this weekend, I'll be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is Friday through Sunday, which is going to be the 11th through the 13th, at, at the Bridge Church with Pastor Orlando Juarez. And I want to invite you to be there. We're going to have some incredible meetings. That'll start on Friday night. We'll have sessions on Saturday morning. We'll have a service on Saturday night and on Sunday morning. So be sure, if you're in the Tulsa area, be sure and come and join me. Uh, and you know, last time we were in Tulsa, we had people come from, fly in from everywhere. So, so wherever you live, if you want to be there, be there. We're going to have a great time. And then I'm going to be in Blue Springs, Missouri with Pastor Sean Apkin, uh, September 24th through the 25th. I'll be uh, on a, a Saturday and a Sunday with Sean Apkin. Man, that's going to be a great meeting. He is a great uh, pastor, uh, and this this is a great church, and it's in Blue Springs, Arkansas. Then October the 20th through the 22nd, Heart Physics Weekend. And I'm going to tell you something, Heart Physics Weekend, we are going to face the stress, the silent killer, and I'm going to help you learn how to overcome stress. I'm going to help you learn how to en enter into a place of rest no matter what's going around you. We're going to do exercises where you're going to improve your sleep. You're going to uh, improve your energy. You're going to overcome fatigue. You're going to learn how to be happy. Heart Physics Weekend is a life-changing weekend. Then finally, November the 3rd through the 5th, I'm going to be in Victoria, B.C. with the By Design team. We're going to be teaching about leadership that builds people. And, you know, we have business people from all over Canada and from the United States that join us for these meetings, these meetings that we do in Canada. So if you're anywhere in the area or if you're interested in attending any of those, be sure and uh, make your plans now because I, I want you to be there with me because, man, these are going to be some incredible meetings. Now, we were just about ready to dive into this scripture here. That I, it, says, it, it says in the book of Ephesians, by the way, it, it talks about uh, husbands and, and wives, and it talks about their, their, how they should treat each other, how they should both be yielding to each other. And then basically at the end of that, he says, now listen, uh, Really, he said, even though this applies, I'm paraphrasing, even though this applies to husbands and wives, I'm really talking about our relationship with the Lord. And, uh, 
And one of the scriptures I think he quotes in there from the book of Genesis, uh, in Genesis 2, uh, 24, he says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, it's interesting that that word in the, in the original Hebrew there, where it says, uncleave unto his wife, this is an interesting word because the word unto is not really the word, it's more like in. And so this concept of being in one another feeds into this whole thing about becoming one. And, and in the Old Testament, you know, it would use this same, it would use this same terminology about our relationship with the Lord. L listen to this passage right here. Uh, this is taken from Deuteronomy 4.4. 4. Uh, and, and this was, this was after the, the, the children of Israel had survived some situations and, and Moses is talking to him. He says, but, uh, you that did cleave unto the Lord your God. Now that, remember that word unto is more like the word in. But you that did cleave in the Lord your God, you're alive, uh, every one of you, right up to this day. So wh wh what is, what did he say? He say, and, and this, this word here for cleave, the modern uh, Hebrew translation, this word is like, is like glue. It's like bonding yourself to someone else. And this gets into a principle that you have all through the Word of God about bonding ourselves to God. You know, the book of Isaiah teaches this in uh, Isaiah 40, I believe it is, where he says, you know, where it says, they that wait upon the Lord. Well, that word wait is to wrap yourself around, to entwine yourself. This concept of being one with God, this oneness grows. I mean, some people say, I'm one with God, you know, uh, uh, it, it's, in, it's in the new covenant, so positionally I'm one with God. Well, i got news for you. Uh, being positionally one with God has nothing to do with what the language of the Greek New Testament or the Hebrew Old Testament is talking about. It's talking about being bonded to somebody. It's not talking about your position. It's talking about your relationship. It's talking about uh, uh, your, your emotions. It's talking about every aspect of who you are being bonded to this person. But here's the Deal. You can't be bonded to God if you don't know who God is, and you can't be in love with God if you don't know who God is. You can't be in love with God if you haven't experienced His love for you. People today talk about the love of God. I'm telling you, it makes me want to scream. You know, God loves me. Praise the Lord. God loves me. Praise the Lord. God loves me. And, and then you look at how they live their lives, and you realize that, yeah, God loves them, but evidently they're not in love with God because they're not treating God like you would treat somebody that you were deeply in love with. This time between getting born again, this betrothal between getting born again and the marriage feast where we're going to meet Jesus face to face, this is this time where we learn everything we can about God and, and we wrap our heart around it. We connect ourselves in every single way that we can so that we literally bond to Him. We, we move with Him. You know, this is what spiritual mindedness is all about. You know, we, uh, the Bible talks to us about the value of being spiritually minded. And man, we should be spiritually minded. Uh, and, and we get all mystical and goofy about what that means. So be spiritual minded means what you're aware of the most, where you're putting your attention. And see, to cleave in God or to be spiritually minded is, is where He's always on your mind. This, he's always at the forefront. Every action you take, uh, you, you take that action uh, 
thinking about him, thinking about how it'll affect the relationship, thinking about uh, uh, if this is pleasing to him, choosing the path that always leads you to connect to his presence, choosing the path that always that always honors him and glorifies him. That's what you do when you're in love with your spouse. You're always thinking about him. Every decision that you make when you're in a loving relationship with your spouse, every decision you make, you're considering your spouse. You're considering how it will affect your spouse. You're considering how it will affect the relationship. You're, you're considering all of these aspects, whether or not they'll enjoy it. You know, when I plan where I'm going to go out and eat, you, you know, my main concern is, am I going to go somewhere Brenda wants to go? Am I going to go somewhere she's going to enjoy it? Am I going to go somewhere where she's going to have a good time? When we plan our, a vacation, which we had not had in a long time, that's what, that's the main thing. I, see, I know what I can be content in, and I know it's easy for me to be content. Honestly, it's pretty easy for her to be content. But the thing is, if we are cleaving to God, then He is always in the forefront of our mind. Listen, I want you to help me take this message of God's love to the entire world. I want to invite you to join me in Operation One Billion, where we are going to raise up a billion disciples around the world, and they will influence the rest of the world. And you can you can do this right now. You can you can uh, uh, go to impactministries.com, and you can get information about becoming a world changer and joining me in Operation One Billion. We need you to help us do this because I want to tell you something. We are deeply, deeply committed to the love of God. And listen, I forgot to mention this through the program, but I want you to help us by liking these programs. And in just a minute, if you'll just take just a second at the end of this program and, and subscribe, and every time I come out with a new video, you're going to get a notification of it. And you can make this journey with us and you can help us take other people on this same journey. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.